And thank you for tuning in here for the Red Bird Reboot Podcast. I'm Blake Murphy 7. Let's talk some Arizona Cardinals football. It's time for the reboot. All right, let's first of all address the big elephant in the room, which is a first Cardinals game of the season. It's technically preseason, but it still counts as a game. There are jobs that will be decided. There are careers that will essentially begin careers that will end this is what football is all about we've finally made it through the summer and it was one of the most difficult off seasons of all time if you're a cardinals fan ever since that 2021 season ended so poorly just a nightmare of a of a season for the cardinals which has turned into, obviously, the start of a new era at general manager, coach, and in a lot of ways, this is going to be finding who are the pieces of the foundation for the new Arizona Cardinals and who are the guys who aren't even going to be on the roster potentially next year. It all starts with this preseason game against the Denver Broncos. Before we preview the game, what to look for, let's talk a bit about some of the news that's come out from Cardinals training camp. This is our training camp review. Some of the stuff I got to see while watching practice. Some of the things I've heard while being able to, uh, whether keeping ear to the ground, whether it's hearing from either what the team is talking about, what other people have said. And we'll also talk a little bit about some of the other news with the Arizona Cardinals. I do think that the best way to jump in, of course, is talking about the biggest question facing the Cardinals, and that is Kyler Murray. The quarterbacks are going to be on display. Kyler is not going to be one of them. Instead, it's Colt McCoy, uh, as well as Jeff Driscoll, and the rookie Clayton Toon. There's also going to be a lot about the defense, but when you look at with Kyler, the biggest thing I think that we have to talk about him this year is that while I don't think it should be, this is probably a make-or-break year for him because Arizona is going to have enough draft capital next year either due to design or simply due to having enough picks that if there is a quarterback they like in next year's draft, whether that's Caleb Williams or it's not, whether even it's another veteran quarterback, they'll at least be able to make a change it also will depend on if Kyler Murray himself will look at a Cardinals team and want to stay here versus, you know, taking that old Aaron Rodgers route, go to another team that's a bit closer. I think that a lot of people are underrating in many ways the competitive nature of Kyler Murray. That's been proven to his teammates, to people around him. And from what we've seen, he's been much more actively involved, obviously, that people have gone into it. Let's talk about what we've seen at the camp. What I saw, at least, was a Kyler Murray who I do not believe would be ready to start week one. He's still going through rehab, so there was definitely some limping, a bit of a gimpy nature. One of the things I noticed from practice, and this is probably coming off of a rehab session where they're stretching your leg out, uh, when the team was calling the players to kind of move over to one side, you know, whistle blows, part of training camp, a nice environment at State Farm Stadium where, although it's not what flag stuff was, at least fans are able to... See the team and the beat-up field, which we'll talk about for this game. It was Kyler's turn to kind of hurry up and run over to where the rest of the team was. It wasn't so much like he was running as much as it seemed like he was kind of picking up his leg, limping along a little bit. It looked like it was more of a far cry from where he could be for week one. Now, that being said, some of what I've heard is that 
we find out this from well a couple weeks ago and even beforehand with the appearance he had on Cardinal's flight plan of running in a straight line running up to about maybe 15 17 miles an hour uh, i believe that there's areas where we've been able to have kyler maybe a bit behind the scenes starting to run a little bit more of like what that bootleg action would look like of taking a few more dropbacks without looking all part of some of his rehab the big thing i think at least that i had at least had in my mind was looking around november as a time period he's been very aggressive as far as obviously he said his goal is to start to week one i don't believe he's going to get there i'm willing to say that if progress is going according to how i've heard i would be okay bumping that up from november to october that's again cautious on that i do believe that he's still going to open on the pup list just because there's so many things that will have to fall in place before he's able to actually play in a game not even talking about medical clearance, not talking about chesting his ability to run and cut, his ability to protect himself, whether that's inside the pocket or outside. I do think that because it's a new scheme and there's not the same amount of chemistry, of building, of working, of practicing with these receivers, and it's new for everyone. Like, we're watching in camp, there's quarterbacks like Colt McCoy and Clayton Toon are still learning the nuances of the offense, and they've been open about this. This is a 36-year-old who's seen everything in the NFL. The fact that they're still kind of having to go through that transition reminds me a lot of that 2013 season where Bruce Arians came in, brought in Carson Palmer, and kind of had that Air Coriel type of system where they would run the ball up front, bash teams in, and then be able to take those deep shots on the outside or in the middle of the field in a little bit of a different way from the air raid system as it really did involve quite a bit of motion using a lot more tight ends in the slot using a bit more of your typical blocking scheme uh, versus what we saw with cliff kingsbury i think that is a big enough transition that i don't think that it's wise and i don't think that this coaching staff is going to take kyle murray say oh you're cleared good to go in three or so weeks and the first game of the season is you know in two weeks or so so maybe it's just one game no no i think they'll make sure that he goes through practice that he works he gets his timing with the receivers because what you don't want to do is take a guy who hasn't done any of the physical work in the off season which is where you practice you get your repetitions you get to work out your play calls you get to get comfortable a lot of times if a receiver will be more likely to stem something upfield on a coverage or not. Those are all very difficult items. And that's part of where I think that we will see Kyler at some point. It might be a bit earlier than I had anticipated, but I still don't think that it's going to keep him off of the PUP list. I think that's going to be what will ultimately be where we'll see at least for the first five, six games or so. I do think we're going to see like the Colt McCoy, Clayton Toon type of show. Uh, let's go and look a little bit as far as for camp. The biggest storylines coming out of camp, obviously, is the Colt McCoy, Clayton Toon show. Uh, being perfectly upfront and honest, there's some concerns that fans and others have had with Colt McCoy. I don't think it's concerns to the point where you see Clayton Toon be the guy from week one outside of injury. But it's very clear that Colt McCoy, at 36 years old, is kind of, I would almost say nearing the end of his NFL career, but it does feel like this could easily be the last season for Colt McCoy. 
Uh, there's been practices in which I think people have mentioned, obviously, uh, went to training camp on the 28th of July. First thing that stuck out to me, at least, was you didn't see Hollywood practicing on the side. Trey McBride had still been hurt. And when Colt McCoy had his turn for running the plays, the first team reps, he would just obviously point to a spot, wouldn't actually throw. Seeing some of the throws that he's made in camp, there's been times where he's been late, which I think you can talk about the scheme adjustment for that. There's been other times that he's shown part of the veteran ability to be able to actually go through the reads, go through the progressions, be able to hit guys. The biggest concern I think I have is the diminishing arm talent may start to be coming in. And whether it's due to just looking at how there's not as much that they've done as far as work with him throwing, whether the shoulder's still having some injury issues or soreness, that's all for the team to be able to have to determine. But from what I've seen, it does look like the accuracy and then especially the zip on the ball, which was something that I felt like was NFL out or quit when he went and played. Not obviously something that can sustain you long term in the NFL, but at least adequate enough. It does feel like that there may have been a ceiling that was hit. There's also, and that, that just that happens with every quarterback at some point. Uh, Big Ben in his final season, you could tell that it was less a cannon and more of a pop gun. Peyton Manning led the league in interceptions. Uh, I believe it was pick sixes in his final season at 39 years old, and it's something that shouldn't be a surprise. I think the issue will be if it turns into a place where Colt McCoy, as far as the physical ability of football, if the mental game is there, then you have to start him. If the physical ability is not, that's where it's going to start coming up. Hey, do we need to simplify the playbook, run the ball more often? Because Colt's taking a beating out there. He's not getting the ball out. There's more breakups. There are sometimes times where you can put a guy in danger. I think that with this preseason, especially this game today, we will get probably one to two series of Colt McCoy. We'll get a good look, not maybe with him testing teams of the defense, but if there's anything that feels more worrisome as far as trying to complete a pass, ball coming out late, things that may indicate an early season struggle, it's easy to overlook those sometimes. I think especially with rookie quarterbacks, but with rookies, they still have those physical gifts. The game is going fast. Eventually, it slows down for them, and they're able to compensate, whether that's um, throwing the ball over the middle, not expecting to see a robber in coverage. You can at least layer the ball a bit differently or know that. When you're 36 years old and you're at the end of your career, and again, Colt was just announced today to join Underdog Fantasy as an analyst. Awesome news for him. It does have the feeling between that, the USFL, between the age, it does feel like some of that post-career stuff is coming up. I think that he'll make a heck of a coach wherever he goes. He'll do an awesome job if he chooses media. It is one of the places where you'd like to see the guy be able to go in, win a few games, help lead the team, kind of to maybe finish on a high note because it's not what many NFL quarterbacks do. With two, we'll get our first actual glance at him, seeing where he is. He's gotten a lot of reps with the first team, only because of Colt McCoy seemingly not being as much a part of practice. It's good news on the level of at least a guy who's a veteran like Driscoll, he's passed up. It maybe is the upside of someone like a David Blau. This is a Cardinals quarterback room where I wouldn't be surprised if we enter the season and the question is who's quarterback three? Is it Blau? Is it going to be uh, it's going to be, oh gosh, I just lost it at least for that. My apologies. Uh, if it's going to be Driscoll, Jeff Driscoll, how they're going to use that roster spot. Or I remember the one year where the Cardinals just 
dropped everyone but their backup, brought in a new quarterback off of the street because they knew what they had in those guys. They've done that before. I think that it's similar as far as for where that room is right now. Um, simply because if you've got two guys who are able to know the offense, now if Colt McCoy ends up having concerns or injury areas and you want to get another guy to potentially have that offensive knowledge out there, from what we've seen so far, they like Driscoll and what he's been able to do. He's got a little bit more athleticism than Blau, so Blau would have to show up in preseason with the passing, I think, to be able to actually have a shot of making the roster. But that's the biggest takeaway as far as with the quarterback. Obviously, the number one story in more ways than one. Uh, let's move and shift to talking about some of these positions, positional battles, uh, some of what we at least have seen from the team and the depth chart. A lot of what we have to remember about preseason depth charts is that they ultimately, they can mean more than people who say they don't matter, but they always do mean a bit less uh, when they first come out because they're done by media. It's not done by the team itself as far as for them putting those depth charts out each week. So as a result, results may vary is, is what that comes down to. Uh, so let's go and just, we'll start and focus on the offensive side of the ball, what we're seeing so far with those depth charts. And then we can dive in a little bit as far as for looking at the roster spots. I think we'll next week have our 53-man prediction once we've gotten a good feel. And this year it's one cut down day, uh, not to down to 75, then to 53, which is nice, but it's more nice for those of us who are able to, you know, make one article versus having to rewrite our final 53 after someone we thought was going to make it gets cut from, uh, 75. Anyway, uh, let's go over at least with some of the areas where we've seen with the depth chart, what we've seen in camp. One of the things that we can talk about, of course, has to be Michael Wilson. He's shown up in a large way. He's not listed as a starter. He's gotten a lot of reps there, however, with the likes of Marquise Brown having some of the injury bug. And he's honestly looked like the guy that we saw on tape at the Senior Bowl who is able to, at his size, be able to get open, get separation, something that I believe wide receivers do need in the NFL. If you don't have the ability to be able to get open at different levels of the field, whether that's short, whether that's long, or even being able to have enough speed to be able to threaten deep, it's going to be hard to make it. And he's looked like, I think in some ways, more of that prototypical X receiver than anyone else really on the Cardinals roster right now. We'll see if he's even able to pass up Zach Pascal. I think Pascal's one of those guys that you could have a larger package. He ends up starting. Wilson maybe come, works his way in slowly. But it's been very encouraging because this is a Cardinals room that had a lot of the same type of guy. And so with seeing Wilson, at least, obviously a guy who only fell really due to health, that's something that you're hoping can pay off. I think that he's less of a true wide receiver one than more of that wide receiver two who plays at the X with potentially one upside. There's intrigue, I think, that a lot of fans have had. He's obviously not been quite the talk of camp. But as far as a Cardinals team that really has needed a playmaker, he's really been one of those guys that looks like a hit so far. And that's where you just hope that the health and a lot of those things are able to keep up. Because if it doesn't, then that's going to be one of those areas of where we've seen this before. People will get their hopes up. And they'll end up, unfortunately, like just not being able to make it due to health in the NFL. Which leads to a player I'm happy was able to stay healthy in 
Greg Dorch. Right now, the biggest trend seems to be that the Cardinals will use Rondale more, but Greg Dorch has been earning a lot more reps, a lot of time. He's been getting open and making not just plays in the slot, but he really has demonstrated that he's got good hands. There have been some not just like crazy diving plays, but there's been extensions. One of the concerns that I had that didn't really get fixed with a slot receiver in the Indy Isabella and the can, guys can struggle with is that they'll catch the ball with their body. They just won't have those natural hands. He's at least got a, not just the confidence, but the ability to go out and get some of those snags. So whether there's been balls thrown behind him or not, he's got some great speed. He's got that ability. I don't know if you can say that it's a starter, but I think there's a lot of people who are sleeping on Greg Dorch in part because there was a lot of Dorch hype. He never actually got playing time unless you know, Rondale Moore was hurt, and then all he did was produce. I think that we can look at him. If, I don't know if he'll be name a starter, but I think in terms of impact, in terms of snaps he'll get, yeah, I, I do think that you can expect that from him this season. Yeah, uh, the running back situation is very complicated. Marlon Mack was obviously the guy. I think that there is another guy the Cardinals could send. He obviously goes down with an injury out for the season. Terrace's other Achilles. And the play itself, I do want to mention... Routine screen pass play from Colt McCoy. Bass is a little bit behind Mac. He adjusts him. Whether you want to talk about the route being wrong, the quarterback, all of that stuff flows together. Mac had to adjust to it, ends up leaving his feet to try to make the catch, comes down hard, and the Achilles ends up torn. It's probably, unfortunately, it's going to be so hard to work his way back into the league after he'd spent so much time trying to overcome that 2019 injury, and some guys' bodies can't handle it. To me, it was more of an indication that if you're throwing one of those types of passes, you want to make sure you're on the numbers, hitting the back. If they have to adjust for it, that can be the difference between getting enough space for a first down and getting tackled for a loss. That was one of the things that I took away mostly from the play was how it was both unfortunate that the body couldn't hold up, but also just with how it happened with the pass from McCoy, it just was not quite on target. There's not obviously a blame that goes into one of those situations. But it's going into being on the legs of Keontae Ingram. Uh, I think Amari Demarcado and Tyson Williams will be dueling to see whatever happens with special teams. We'll see how those preseason game turns out. One possibility I think that we could see for the Cardinals in looking at free agent running backs. They did sign a guy, uh, Stevie Smith III, who is more of a camp body, just kind of filling out the roster. Uh, Dontrell Hilliard is a guy who has two connections to this Cardinals staff. He was underneath uh, Drew Petzing with the Browns, and he played for the Tennessee Titans, of which Monty Austinfort was there. He's a free agent on the market. I think that you could, if you're the Cardinals, bring him in to slide into that spot. I don't think they're going after Kareem Hunt anymore. Clearly, money's been an issue. Hunt is the guy that I had pegged as the easiest guy to connect to the Cardinals. You need another running back to pair with James Conner, who's a veteran. He knows the offense. He's got enough talent that you could at least be able to bring him in on a one-year deal. And then if you say, hey, we like Hunt, we can sign you for another James Conner type deal for two to threes. It seems like that for one reason or another, either the money the Cardinals are offering, the, he's gone from leaving the Saints to the Colts and neither place he's gotten a contract, to just the questions at least about him as fitting the mold of a Gannon Austin Ford type player. There's obviously been some character stuff that's gone on with him. This is a league where you're building a roster that you're wanting to make in your image, and it's a lot harder, I think, to take on another type of player, which we saw, of course, with the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Other big news that was there with camp, Isaiah Simmons being more comfortable. 
at the safety position. He did come out and not necessarily throw completely under the bus, but he talked about how he's now in a position he's more comfortable in, said that the other coaching staff didn't keep him in that position. And, man, it feels like, and this is maybe a pro and a con, there's a little bit of DeAndre Hopkins that's gotten planted into Isaiah Simmons. Uh, Hopkins is one of those guys who's going to put his head down, going to work hard, um, isn't necessarily going to practice all the time. As Titans fans, I think we were able to find out uh, just with Hopkins, you know, being there one to two days a week for practice, no injury designation, anything like that. They don't have to report injuries, obviously. But this is a place where sometimes the people you surround yourself with and the influences, if Isaiah Simmons is going to be more of that mercenary type. He could be very successful in the NFL with it. But at some point, you look at a player, and I think part of the reason you can say, as far as for why the option wasn't picked up, is twofold. One is that it's probably going to be easier for the Cardinals to be able to find a free safety somewhere in the draft that's cheaper versus taking Isaiah, who's now working in that spot, and paying him quite a bit of money on that second contract. It also feels like in some of the ways that the guy that the Cardinals want is very much that, you know, bring your lunch pail, bring the grit type of player that we've seen at the Patriots, we've seen with the Titans. They've taken on some guys, but usually those have been exceptions versus the rule. It's a spot that's going to be interesting because if Isaiah Simmons has a great year at safety and then leaves to another team and has success, while there will be quite a bit of what could have been, I think it's ultimately going to reflect more on the previous regime under Steve Keim, Cliff Kingsbury, and Vance Joseph, especially to the point where, from what we at least have been able to see, there was a lot of struggles with the coaching staff to not just find agreement, and there was a lot of pressure from the front office, whether it was moving guys into inside linebacker or not, that we've all agreed has been really just a disaster for these players' development. Uh, the other player being watched, at least, in Zayvon Collins is something where I think that you can see a pro and a con. One is that there's the size, there's some of the edge ability. You're able to at least see how he's going to be able to fit in there and make plays. He feels like he's going to be one of those um, strong side linebacker types because what you usually look at on your team is you're going to have a strong sides where the tight end lines up. He's got not just the size but also the athleticism to where he's going to be able to get after them in the run game, being able to go after running backs, being able to, if he needs to drop back into the coverage for a tight end, but he's not going to be, like, the coverage guy on a tight end. Like, you're going to give that to most likely other, we've seen Buddha be smaller, another safety, someone who's able to, you know, keep it in front of them. There's different areas we'll have to see how the Cardinals will fit. Part of it with Zavin, as far as the downside, is that when you look at him, he is not necessarily a natural edge rusher he fits more of the Dennis Gardeck mold of being able to bull rush being able to get through guys using some of his head he's a, obviously a very smart guy he doesn't have that same athletic bend that's where you'd put him at the weak side linebacker think of like that Chandler Jones that guy who's able to dip and rip that's more of what I think you're looking for with the guy who's going to be like your prime pass rusher role. And so in one case, maybe that's a bit disappointing. In other cases, maybe you say that he's at least in a role the Cardinals are able to benefit from him as a draft pick for the next few years while he's on a cheap contract. But when you are trying to draft stars, we'll see. The tape is still out on Zayvon, but it would be something where if you see a guy who blossoms into a star and you want to pay them, you usually want it to be a premium player at a premium position where you can look at that contract and say, oh yeah, 
that player. We paid him. Guess what? We're getting him now on a deal because other guys who are in the same category are getting paid more because they saw that deal, and he's still going out there. Chandler Jones was one of the best contractual deals the Cardinals arguably ever made. He was arguably a, a not huge, but a decent bargain at the time for the contract he received. He performed all the way up until, obviously, injury took place in that 2021 year. And, of course, in 2022, they're just... Obviously, the wheels fell off in more ways than one, I should say, at least. I should say it in the 2021 year, as far as it went. 2020 was the year with the injury, pardon me. All right, so we talked a little bit about some of those biggest stories in camp. Obviously, the camp MVP, if it wasn't mentioned, is once again Ben Greg Dorch. Um, the other pieces of news that have kind of popped up have been Dennis Daly, who originally was looking at potentially being... Uh, not a starting tackle, but a starting guard. Right now, the first depth chart has Elijah Wilkinson listed ahead of him, and that's how we've seen it in camp. It's at DJ Humphreys, Wilkinson, you've had Hjalte Froholt, Will Hernandez, and then Paris Johnson Jr., the Cardinals' first-round pick. He's been entrenched as the team's starting right tackle. Now, unless he gets to a spot where he falls on his face like so many times that you say you have to bench him, you can't get him any more help, he's just being a liability, I think he's going to start there. And I don't think that there's going to be anything to take him off the field outside of injury. That's something that we were looking for as Cardinals fans. It's great. Um, we've still seen John Gaines, the other draft pick, get some snaps, but it does feel like that he's kind of moved and settled more into a guard position. I do think that that is his more natural spot from what we've seen. He could play center in a pinch. We've seen Froholt seemingly be the guy who's for one reason or other whether it's knowing the protections whether it's some of just the experience in the system i do think that we could see pat elfline at some point end up being in that starting role in the center with gains or even the likes of a lacita smith taking over i think what the cardinals have done though is they've really set themselves into a spot where they don't have a long-term or even maybe a young upside option at center i think that's going to end up being a place where you know, barring some great play, it may be a spot that they're looking for next year. Uh, finally, Zach Ertz on the pup list. I think that he is slightly more likely to come off of Kyler on the pup list. But as far as blocking, running routes, doing all of that, it's a place where Trey McBride is going to get a lot of snaps. Jeff Swaim as the signing, I think, will be the second guy there. We've talked now about most of the offensive positions, we went over quarterback. The last thing with running back, and this is perhaps just me, but I do believe... But if the Cardinals were confident in Keontae Ingram, they would not have gone out and signed Marlon Mack. That tells me that this is a team that's going to be looking for someone to show up in the preseason, whether that's Tyson Williams, Amari Demarcado, or if they're going to be talking about, hey, this is a team that, as James Conner, it's his last year, he's getting up there in age. We're going to be looking at the Cardinals having running back as a higher need. And that's something that I talked about with the draft this last year, which was if you need a running back and you decide to wait on it, use some other guys, get some veterans in, it doesn't make the need go away. It just pushes it back a year. And eventually that always comes due. Cardinals drafting linebackers for two years and still needing a wide receiver. That turned into the Marquise Hollywood Brown trade. Cardinals finally were able to address that issue, but of course, it happened in a season in which just about everything went wrong. Last thing, at least as far as with camp, uh, the 
interesting nature we've had so far has been that we've got special teams with Matt Hawk versus Nolan Cooney. There's been a lot of Hawk actually doing kickoffs, which I don't know if that will give him an edge or not, but at the end of the day, I think that preseason, how the guys kick, everything else in camp will determine who the job is. I still feel confident, at least, that Matt Hawk is going to be the guy at the end of it. But it is a spot of, it went from, this is a solid lock, to, hey, let's watch this as a true punting battle. Something that the coaches, I think, have been pushing more is they want everything to be a competition, and I think that's a good place to be if you just... Uh, I look at Steve Kime a couple years ago. Zayvon Collins gave him the inside linebacker starting job right out of the gate, at least with his comments. Season starts, and hey, look, it's, it's Jordan Hicks out there. And it's because uh, Hicks didn't let that job or position go. You saw competition, but that is really how it turned out. Now, now we'll shift to kind of wrapping up here before we do a preview, talking with the defense. And here's who to watch and what to watch for. The biggest thing, in my opinion, is there someone who's able to step up at the defensive tackle and nose tackle position to where you are able to at least go into games and not feel like that with Lucky Foe 2, Jonathan Ledbetter. Richard Lawrence has shown flashes but has not been able to stay healthy. Those two guys are probably going to get the first shot, and if they're truly the best that the Cardinals have, it's going to be really difficult in terms of being able to stop the run and the pass. With how defense is working, coverage, everything flows together. Guys aren't freelancing. You have a guy who's essentially having to cover a certain portion of the field so that another player is able to run it and blitz the quarterback, bring pressure from a certain side. That's something that if you have teams that are able to run up the middle and gain you know, four or five yards a carry, you start having to bring Buda Baker down, start having to... Uh, you know, bring even Isaiah Simmons a little bit closer because you're having guys are getting through to that second level. That's going to take that away from those outside receivers, from those deep shots, and from guys in the middle of the field, a place where the Niners and Rams love to throw a lot of those passes. And Geno Smith now is something that we'll have to look for with uh, him throwing to not just Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, a huge matchup, but Jackson Smith and Jigba as well. It, it's going to be a huge challenge there. Oh, that's the defensive line. The edges right now for the Cardinals, we've got LJ Collier, who's probably your best defensive end right now because the Cardinals are keeping uh, the likes of uh, Cameron Thomas on the team's linebacker spot. So you've got him kind of backing up Zayvon Collins right now, Zayvon getting that first look. We will see if Cameron Thomas ends up being able to rotate potentially into some of that defensive end role. He's kind of been a tweener body type. He might be, and this is very strange to say, the second most experienced linebacker as far as the team goes for rushing off of the edge uh, after the likes of Dennis Gardeck. I mean, if you want to call it a call, you're an edge, cool, but it's crazy to think about a guy who was drafted last year and how young this team is. Gardak has essentially been that guy who started to show off a bit more in camp. He's gotten a few spin moves down. He's kind of been able to show that he's still got that upper body strength. It's easy to forget that he was one of the most efficient pass rushes in the NFL. With I think it was like seven sacks on some ridiculous uh, 49 to 90 snaps that he had. Uh, BJ Ojolari is finally practicing. I think that when you're looking at guys who kind of fit the mold of what the Cardinals want, Ojolari is a guy who got dinged for medicals, came back a, a bit as far as in, in the OTAs before seemingly got hurt again. 
I think that what you'll want to see from the Cardinals this year is, is there one guy who steps where you say, oh, there's our guy. All we need to do is bring in another top-tier edge rusher, whether through draft or through paying, to be able to pair with him. If you get more than that, I think that you're, you're exceeding expectations there. If you can meet that expectation, like I think of that Marcus Golden 2015 draft where you realized, hey, John Abraham's aging out Marcus Golden. He's going to be a guy that can probably get you double-digit sacks, but he's not that type of guy who is going to be that pass rusher number one that we saw from Chandler Jones for a number of years. Um, We'll see how those guys do in the preseason. And now to one of the other places talked about defensive tackles, talked about how the linebackers I think will be fine this year. You've got Kaiser White being the guy who calls the defense. Chris Barnes uh, is another guy who's like a no-name guy from next year. When we say no-name, it's not to disrespect the player. It's just... You know, you sign Josh Woods, Chris Barnes, we spend all this time talking Zayvon Collins, and all of a sudden it's this you know, one-year deal type of guy who seemingly comes out of nowhere. That is probably going to be the starter. That's something that I don't feel as bad about with how this team plays because we've seen in the past Jonathan Gannon and even the linebackers coach Nick Rallis have gotten a lot out of their linebackers, just the way that they at least are able to have the coverage. It's not as critical as I think it has been or was to the Vance Joseph defense as it is in this type of scheme, even though they're still running a 3-4 defense. Now, the other concern here is we're talking about the cornerback position. Safety may be the strongest and one of the deepest places on the team. I think you'll want to watch to see are there guys who can step up and be that fourth safety. It's usually going to be a special teams guy. We've got guys like Andre Chacher, who was from Philly. Uh, a guy who was with the Niners last year, Juju Hughes. There's some other safeties out there, but it does feel like it's going to be a Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, and Isaiah Simmons rotation there. That feels pretty solid. The cornerback room does not. On the depth chart, Antonio Hamilton was given essentially the cornerback two spot, with cornerback one being fourth rounder Marco Wilson, who has the talent, the athleticism, but has not had the same consistency. And the fact that he's going to be cornerback one is something where I think you could see last year in the Cardinals' defense, where then they lost Jeff Gladney. Uh, he it was just crazy to think about that a player actually passed away like that before the season began. Byron Murphy moved outside, was able to actually play very well. He wasn't able to cover the slot. Isaiah Simmons did. And it was ultimately Marco Wilson who took on a lot of those wide receiver twos. And some cases, some games were good. Some games were not as good. They closed out the season and no one was really playing hard or making a huge place. But they did do enough where I think it's a spot where you'll be able to probably decide if you're giving Marco Wilson a second contract from this year I just have a difficult time looking at how this corner room is to be able to say that they have that sort of guy. Now, not every team needs a Patrick Peterson type. You don't need to have that number one shutdown, you know, in-your-face cornerback, but you want to at least have solid, experienced NFL corners who are starters, and that's something that the Eagles had with their aging star and Darius Slay were able to add in the likes of a James Bradbury. You want to have those guys. You know, Every year it seemed like the Cardinals would bring in another free agent to play corner two. Pat P never had a partner, but it didn't matter all that much. This year I think it's easy to see based off of what we're finding in camp as well. Antonio Hamilton's listed up there 
And on the depth chart, you have Garrett Williams ahead of Christian Matthew. Christian Matthew has been getting all of those snaps. He's got length. He's got speed. But when you're talking about, you know, a guy who's more of a sixth-round, second-year player, and then a guy who's in his third year in the league in Marco Wilson, those guys are kind of your two starters. And then we're looking at the nickel corner spot. The two guys that stand out here are two guys who are very different, and that's because one of them is Keitro Clark, who's a rookie. I do think that he has the makings of being a starting nickel. Uh, He just has to essentially keep his head down, be able to go through all of the steps that the coaching staff has, kind of what you ask from all of your rookies. Make sure that he doesn't lose that chip on his shoulder for being a later-round pick. I think it was maybe fifth round unless I missed. No, sixth round. He was a sixth-round pick. I think he could be a team starting nickel. Now, the actual team starting nickel is probably going to be one Jalen Thompson from what we've seen this year. And that was a fit that I thought was best for him coming out of college. When the Cardinals drafted Isaiah Simmons, the position that I felt like fit him best was safety. And I didn't know if it would be free safety or strong safety, but it did feel like keeping stuff in front of him, allowing him to be able to blitz when needed, not having to make quick change of direction, or being in a place where uh, he's having to... You know, go and be able to kind of you know lock down a, a really good tight end or a receiver in single coverage. I think that his biggest strength is now going to be on display, and I think one of Jalen Thompson's will be as well. Thompson has really not gotten a chance, I think, to shine in terms of his coverage because he's been such a consistent tackler on the back end. I even got to the point where teams would start targeting him instead of Buda Baker in coverage, and he made them pay to the point where the teams that faced the Cardinals started being able to hit in different places just because they would get that consistency from Jalen Thompson. And I think that this is part of this Cardinals coaching staff under Jonathan Gannon, understanding some of their players' strengths and being able to put them in those spots, not because they had a vision of the team and how they wanted it to be, but rather in terms of actually evaluating the players' in a way that I think is proper, and that's something that I don't think we could say completely about the last regime, or to this point also, giving giving last regime credit, the issue may not have been the evaluation, but that there were different evaluations and there was not a consensus. General manager says this, coach says this, player says this. There was not a lot of consensus for how things went, and there probably wasn't as much respect for those in charge because, as we saw in a losing season, teams can get off of it quickly. Not anything saying about the players. It's just part of that human experience. It feels like that this new Fresh Start coaching staff, which has a general manager and head coach for maybe the first time since the 2015-2016 season that we've had, seem to be fully in sync with each other and that's something that i think has been a very positive takeaway from cardinals camp all right uh we're gonna come back here at the last few minutes and just talk a little bit about this game upcoming against the broncos what to look for players to watch and the biggest takeaway that you can have as far as the player who needs to probably show out the most i'll be right here as we wrap up the red bird reboot
All right, last part of the Redbird Reboot Podcast, our training camp wrap-up, preseason preview. Now, talking about the Denver Broncos, biggest thing that fans have been looking for is part of the comments that Jonathan Gannon made saying, hey, Michael Wilson's looked great in camp. Let's see how he matches up against a Pat Sertan. Ooh, that's, that's throwing fire. That's putting pressure on your player, but also having your players back. It's... Nice to see, I think, John, one, of the, one of the things, I have to say this first, one of the things that I think we've missed as Cardinals fans has been that little dash of Bruce Arians' charisma in terms of not just being a guy who is able to lead other players, but being able to kind of be a guy that you would hang around with or would follow. We don't know everything about Jonathan Gannon yet. But from the way that he's at least handled himself with saying, here's the why we do areas, here's with this player, here's the guys who've done well, while at the same time promoting competition, he's done it in a way that doesn't have that buttoned-up, business-like area that Steve Wilkes had that was very direct in, here's what we have to do, we didn't execute. And it doesn't have the, I guess you could probably say, guarded approach that Cliff Kingsbury had where, there were times where he would seem like he would be a little bit more obviously of a laid-back guy because that's his personality. But he would guard in what he would say, at least to the point with different players, where you would ask him a question, and if it was a very quick answer, like, oh, yeah, no doubt, this guy's a great player. And if it was more of, hey, Cliff, make a judgment call, he would have to say, hey, lab, not, um, yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. We'll see what goes on for sure, for sure. You could almost predict it because they would be almost like pre-written answers with Jonathan Gannon it does feel like that while there's a bit of the coach politicking going on there is a bit more of him telling you what he thinks and we got to see glimpses of that with Cliff Kingsbury but it would seem like he would never fully let us in and that was one of the areas that uh, yeah, I mean go back to where it was the previous coaching meeting but it's a spot of when we're looking at a new era and looking at new leadership that's something I think you want to see with your head coach, that's going to be the first thing that I think we're going to be watching is how the game flows. Are things going to be on time? Very clearly, when the Cardinals brought in Cliff Kingsbury, we had clap gate going on where Kyler would clap, and then all of a sudden they would call that false start on the quarterback. We had, uh, you know, times of the play would just get in late. There would be other places where timeouts would be thrown. We saw some of this go through in the season, and it was just that the game management was not tight. That's something I think will be the biggest thing to be able to watch because this is a rookie head coach, rookie first-time play caller, first-time offensive coordinator, at least at this level, first-time defensive coordinator, and then all the coaches underneath. If you end up seeing this be a well-run, well-oiled machine, I think that would be, like, beyond expectations for a first preseason game what i think you're looking for is showing not just confidence and being able to see that they are capable but if there are mistakes or areas that are made being able to see those corrections moving forward that's something that i think we did see of cliff but to a point there was a limit i think as far as how flexible and how far he was able to go uh, i think that the second thing that i'm going to be looking for is going to be seeing between Michael Wilson and Greg George. Those have been your two stars. I don't think we'll see a lot of Hollywood Brown. Uh, it would be nice if we're able to see him function some out of the slot, but I think you'll want to find out, are those two guys 
going to help boost this offense into a place where we're going to have a bit more confidence, especially when Kyler's prepped and comes back in this Cardinal seems that maybe we had previously when they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins by releasing him. I think that you'll want to watch and see not just how many snaps they'll get about how they'll play, because if they have Michael Wilson on for the first quarter, he comes off, doesn't play the rest of the game. You may get a good invocation of how they're planning to use him throughout the year. I think at least the third thing that I'll be watching, of course, we've talked about these quarterbacks, how Colt McCoy is going to be able to do, seeing how the arm is, how the talent is. Clayton Toon is probably the most least important player on the Cardinals in terms of he may not actually play or be a starter as counted on the field, but he could end up playing at any point in time. Or depending on how things go, at least, you may end up just saying, hey, you know, we know what we have in Colts. Let's see how the young guy is doing. See he's got how he adjusts. That's going to be one of the things I think a lot of Cardinals fans will talk about. I do think that there is opportunity for Toon. You can make a lot of money as a long-time backup in this league. He does fit their specific type of scheme better than other players just because he is a guy with some of that mobility. He is a guy that you know, has had enough talent where he can at least be able to stretch the field. We've seen that in practice. I think that that's the third thing you'll watch. Fourth thing that I want to watch, and this may seem strange to you, but I'm watching for those guys who are going to have that game where you're like, oh yeah, yeah, that guy's going on to a roster. We've seen those games before. Greg Dorch, he's one of those guys that had one of those games in the preseason for Arizona. We see how Justin Bethel was able to go as a gunner and then block a kick in a Cardinals preseason game. Uh, we were even able to see at least some of the upside of a Stephen Williams making plays, and then it just seemed like it just never was able to function in the regular season. You'll see both of those things. You'll see guys pop in preseason, and then you'll see other guys who flop after preseason. It's just how it is. I think that's what you'll look for, at least with the special teams, because a lot of this roster is young guys fighting for positions. There's a new regime. They're not necessarily loyal. You've got guys like a Victor Dumakeji. You've got guys... Like, uh, oh, I'm just like being off the top of my head. You've got guys like a Lasita Smith. You've got guys, even as far as a Marquise Hayes would go, these are guys are going to be fighting for the position. Bernard Sykovitz, another guy at least, is he actually going to be able to have a chance to crack the roster this year with how Arizona's tight ends have been pretty beat up overall. Now, the fifth and final thing that I'm watching is going to be, this is maybe a little bit strange, but I'm going to be watching all three levels of the defense. Does the defense have guys who look like they could at least be able to rush the passer? Does it look like the linebackers are in the right spot? Does it seem like Simmons and Zayvon Collins at least are able to adjust? And then, of course, are you talking about a Broncos team with Russell Wilson where you see a Cortland Sutton or a Jerry Judy just embarrass one of your starting corners to a point where you start to be a little worried at least about, hey, like... This guy, are we going to be able to cut it like this for a whole season and carry one of these guys with us into 2024? I think that you're going to get to see how disciplined the team is with Sean Payton against some of these looks. He obviously wants to run the ball. He's a guy who's going to not just have different types of misdirection plays. He's going to put stuff in that's going to get Russell Wilson, maybe not necessarily on a full on bootleg, but he's going to get Russ out of the pocket because... 
That's what he did with another shorter quarterback, Andrew Brees. There were deeper dropbacks to kind of give him a, a good spot as well as a starting capable center in front of him, something that I don't feel like the Broncos really had last year. It, it was just at least a mess. You want to be able to at least see the Cardinals go out there and not be in a place where you're like, hey, this is a 14-0 game. They went up there, just did whatever they wanted, drove down the field, and took their players off. Not just because, you know, it's preseason. Obviously, these things don't go toward the final score, but you do at least want to have this semblance of confidence where the players at least are able to go out, can at least be able to feel that confidence they have in this new regime carry over from camp and be able to see that on the field of NFL preseason. It's going to be a home game. It's going to be great. Uh, this is kind of where we do all of this, at least for football. Uh, if you guys are wanting to listen more, you can follow our new branded show, at least, the Redbird Reboot, uh, former ROTV pod. We're now located at Redbird Reboot. You can also follow me on Twitter at BlakeMurphy7. And as always, you can find my written works and these podcasts available wherever you listen to podcasts and at revengeofthebirds.com, which is an SB Nation community. Thank you guys so much here. We'll be back on the other side talking about what we took away from the preseason and previewing game number two. That'll be happening after this first glimpse into the NFL season, preseason week one against the Denver Broncos. This has been the RBR. Thank you guys so much for listening. You've just been rebooted.